Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Viewpoints for the first time, Jen McVitie, who's the CEO for Seven Steps to Successful Writing. Jen is the creator of Seven Steps to Writing Success, the largest writing program in Australia. Jen has written also over 20 books and her novel, Dreamcatcher, is a popular year seven and eight text in schools. It's also the most stolen book in the Hawaii State Library. There's so much more to Jen McVitie that we'll chat about in the next 20 minutes. But firstly, welcome to Viewpoints, Jen McVitie. Hey, thanks, Henry. I've been so looking forward to this. Uh, last time when we chatted, it, we, we talked for an hour and I just loved it. It was so much fun. Me too. And I just, before we start, just want to compliment you on uh, your contribution to the education in literacy of so many children uh, in so many places. As a school principal, I'm, uh, we have your program at our school and I couldn't speak more highly of it. Well, thank you. It's, um, it always amazes me. It's something so simple, you know. We've, I think we make writing far too hard. So it's lovely to see that, just, uh, you know, those simple philosophies that I put in place have made such a difference to kids. And you certainly have. Now, look, um, there are so many inspiring areas of your, of your life, Jen, with which we could begin this conversation. So let's start with what we've just been talking about, one of your most significant, the Seven Steps to Writing Success Program. What motivated you to write that program, create it? Well, I've been a teacher. I've been a maths and English teacher in secondary school. And, um, and then all I wanted to do was write books. So... Once you start writing books and getting published, your publishers then send you on a speaking circuit um, to promote the book. And so I've been speaking over in America and Asia and sort of sharing some writing tips. So I'm speaking mainly to adult authors. And I'm sharing these writing tips and I'm going, you know, publishers only read the first page of the manuscript and, you know, you've got to make that page sing. You've got to have a speaking start. And then I'd be going, oh, intention scenes, they have to be long and strong. Um, and I realised I was saying that in Texas and I was saying the same thing in Taiwan. So one day on the way back on the plane, I started systemising just all the writing skills that I knew from being an author. And it just took off from there. Now, as you said earlier, uh, and it, it's amazing, it always amazes me that sometimes um, what appears after the event to be so simple just appears so camouflaged to people at the time and it, it, it takes a, it takes people with a certain vision to to see through it um, just briefly we might go through these seven steps so just a little explanation uh, plan for success is step one um, tell us a bit about that well it's the biggest step it's um, you know you don't build a house without a really strong foundation and I, I think teachers think that uh, when you say you know let's think and brainstorm and plan they think that's the fluffy part of writing but to me that's the main part that's that's the important thing because it's, it's not about neat handwriting or spelling or anything unless you've got really good ideas then you don't really have a good piece of writing so that's the whole thing so we love to get kids together and instead of sort of making them write um, the first thing that comes to their mind we go oh no brainstorm 10 really good ideas and then you can pick the best one so that's planning. Mm, and if you don't plan, it gets to be ad hoc. Uh, sizzling starts, I always love this one because of the alliteration. Sizzling starts and such a good choice of words. Oh, well, unless you want to say seven steps to writing success and sizzling starts all in the same <laughs> sentence. That's, that's a bit tougher. Um, 
That has gone viral. I think if you Google simple and starts, there's about a million hits. And it's because it's dead simple. So while planning for hardest ones, sizzling starts is the easiest one. And it's, I just say to teachers, well, think of a, you know, a James Bond movie. It always starts with a sizzling start. Um, so we don't want to set our kids up and say start with one day or on the weekend. Um, if they're going fishing, you want them to start when they're fishing. Like, I hate fishing and the worm I was drowning was hating it too. Keep going. Oh, I'm loving the story. Oh, we're, we're in an interview. I was loving that story. <laughs> Step three, All right. tightening tension. Yeah, tension. Um, you know some kids' writings. They, they talk about the, the basketball match where everything, you know, it's down. There's 60 seconds left in the game. Um, and, and then from then on, they just make it really boring. Um, I, I shot the ball. It went in. We won. And then we went home to bed. Um, and we, so I say, no, you've got to stretch those scenes out and make them really long and strong. And so we often say you put a character up a tree and you throw pebbles at them to begin with. And then you escalate that tension. And so you start throwing rocks at them. And then you drop a boulder on their head. <laughs> Absolutely. A part that really strikes me about this is you're, you're really invoking the imagination with each of these steps, aren't you, as you're reading? Yes, you, well, you have to because, you know, nobody wants to read something that's as boring as a breakfast cereal packet. You, you want to make things lively and interesting. And, yeah, and that's when kids are freed up to do that. They write so much better. That's a good point. Dynamic dialogue, step four. I love the alliteration. It, it doesn't go all the way through, but pretty close. Well, I had a good crack at it, didn't I? Um, you did well, six out of seven ain't bad. Yeah. It makes it easy for kids to say and remember, you know, dynamic dialogue. Um, so, okay, this one. When we do a lot of face-to-face training for teachers, well, we did pre-COVID, and I used to say to teachers, I love dialogue. And, of course, in all my novels, I used dialogue a lot. Um, and there'd be this mutter in the room, and teachers would be going, oh, I don't think, you know. And I'd, I'd sort of say, well, why, don't you love dialogue? And they'd be going, well, no, because we get five pages of dialogue where nothing ever happens, and they just talk about the weather. And, and then, you know, you don't know who's talking, and really, you don't care. And so I thought, okay, this is this is what we need to do with dialogue, and again, show teachers and students that that dialogue should be really, really concise. So we do a really lovely thing in the face-to-face training. We get teachers to have a, a piece of paper between two people, and then they have to write a five in um, two and a half minutes. And so it's like, dad. Did you break my iPad? And and then the next person grabs the paper and writes the answer. And that teaches everybody that you can get to death, divorce, and destruction in about half a page of writing. So that's dynamic dialogue. Excellent. Show don't tell. Step five. Mm. It's um it's been used a lot. Teachers, I mean, teachers know a lot of these strategies already. I think all I've done is really systemise them. And show, don't tell is, is a brilliant one. So, for instance, I love doing things like if kids are going on an excursion to, say, the goldfields, 
give them a, a sheet of paper and you write, um, you divide it into six and you go, what do you see as you walk around? What do you hear? What do you touch and taste and smell and feel, you know, emotions? And so instead of sort of saying, we went to the gold fields um, and people were all dressed in funny costumes, um, they'll, they'll be a lot more detailed about it. And they'll talk about the smells that were there and the sounds of the cart wheels and everything like that. And that brings their writing really alive. That's a good point. Step six, ban the boring bits. Now, that, that's, that's a challenge all the time, isn't it, for pretty much everybody? Well, yeah. Um, I, I think kids are pretty horrified if they ever saw a manuscript of mine because I, I, I don't just cross out one word. I'll cross out a whole paragraph. Um, because you think it's brilliant, don't you? I mean, you've written mm. a book and a half now, right? And you think it's great at the time, but ooh, when you get back to it afterwards, no, um, there's a lot that can be cut out. So kids mm. love that. They, they just... Um, they're very good at being able to say, oh, no, that's boring, it can go. And once once they learn that and how much better it makes their writing, um, they just stop waffling a lot in their writing and padding and they really cut the important bits of what they're trying to say. Mm. Now, I've been learning on the run here, Jen, and we've got to the uh, midway point of our interview and surprise, surprise, there's a step seven, an exciting ending. We'll keep the tension tight and hold that over for after the break if you don't mind sounds like a plan sounds like a plan Welcome back to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick, in the middle of a discussion with Jen McVitie, who's the CEO for Seven Steps to Writing Success. Before the break, we got to step six, and let's see what an exciting ending is all about. Welcome back, Jen. Well, thank you. Okay, we're in the final run here. We are. So, <laughs> <laughs> so exciting endings. I mean, I... Teachers would love a dollar for every time they've, they've read this ending. And then we went home and went to bed. Or, and then, boom, they all died. End of story. And all those endings, the kids just kind of tack on at the end. It's because they haven't done their planning. So they don't know where they're heading. So they just grab a quick fix ending, I call them, and, um, and whack it on the end. Um, but we, we can't say kids, no, if you build up your sentence then, right, your, um, your ending will come to you and, uh, you know, it will, will flow beautifully. And then the other thing is it's not always about the big action ending. It's, um, it's about that character resolution at the end too. It's a much quieter thing. So if, if they've won the big, big football game or something to use your favourite sport there, Henry, if they won that football game. Uh, my then... team's been losing. They're not anymore. Oh, oh, <laughs> Collingwood <Dad>. Magpies. <laughs> oh, oh, you're one of those. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if your team did win, imagine it. I know it takes a bit to imagine it right now. But if, if they won, then, you know, you wouldn't just go, yay, they won, whatever. Um, you'd turn to, say, one of your kids and you'd go, um wasn't that great? Isn't isn't it good to see how hard they've worked on the field or something like that? Or to say to a kid, hey, fantastic, let's go celebrate, let's have a pie and a Coke. 
you know, so that, that quieter ending that is often happening. Mm. Good point. Excellent point. Now, Jen, one of the areas that uh, creates a lot of conflict for teachers and principals, and uh, you've got a, a long history of uh, being involved with our profession, both as a teacher and uh, now um, as an educator per se, is um, standardised testing and NAP plan. And um, one of the things that a lot of schools have struggled with is to do homage to the important aspects of NAP plan and not compromise themselves in what they think is good um, teaching practice. Now, seven steps seems to tick those two boxes. Tell us how and why, how you got achieved that. Well, I think NAPLAN does actually test good parts of writing. So if you've got a good writer, then they'll do well in NAPLAN. And so we don't teach to the NAPLAN test at all. We just say, well, these are the things that NAPLAN looks at, for instance, they how to engage your audience. Well, you know, kids know how to do six sizzling starts. So, you know, they've got that sort of thing nailed. Or um, how to um, use great vocabulary. Well, if you use that show-don't-tell technique we were talking about in the gold field, then that will, of course, uh, raise your NetLand scores too. So it's um, it's really just good writing, and NetLand is teaching that. I I think they they could do with two things. Um, to really improve on that line writing thing, if you're interested. Yeah. Um, one is that they need to allow more time for kids to plan. They only give kids five minutes to plan, and that's not good. Um, I would take a third of my time writing um, to plan, and so it just doesn't it doesn't give kids enough time. And so I keep saying to NAPLAN people, you're only going to get cookie cutter ideas if that's all you're going to give kids time to do. And then the other one is spelling and uh, punctuation is tested in the writing thing. And it's also tested in the other language conventions one. And really, I don't think it should be weighted to 11 points out of the 47 in that one. That's just too much. It's not testing writing, it's testing spelling. Mm, it's a good point. And I think your contribution to... Um, um providing relevant teaching and learning instruction and tools to achieve the uh, the best parts of uh, what we can use NAPLAN for is, is very commendable, uh, Jen. It's interesting that some people have problems with NAPLAN um, from the perspective of they perhaps don't understand the, the breadth of what teaching and learning can do and what NAPLAN can achieve or provide us with. I sit NAPLAN every year. I know it sounds crazy, but I get I get hold of the topic and I sit down in that 40-minute time slot and I write a NAPLAN piece and then we hire a, a commercial NAPLAN person to market. So that gives me a really good insight into what we're asking kids to do and what NAPLAN does test. Um, last year, I got uh, the Sydney Morning Herald education editor. Uh, she sat it with me too and we both lost out of five marks of punctuation, we both lost two marks. So apparently we both suck at punctuation. <laughs> Good point. Now, Jen, um, seven steps to writing successes is, is, is probably your signature achievement, but there's so many others that uh, probably contribute to that. In part, you've written over 20 books and your novel Dreamcatcher is a popular Year 7-8 text in schools. Um, are you surprised from the 20 that you've written that 
Dreamcatcher's the one that's got that accolade? Um, it's always a bit difficult. You, you do kind of have a favourite child, and that was one of my favourites. So a uh, book can take off for a lot of different reasons. Um, that one took off because it had an environmental bent and it won the Family Award as well. And that, you know, it was about a character that I really cared about. So that that was very, very cool that it did so well. But unless your publisher backs it too and does good publicity on it, that has a big impact on how well your book sells too. So you can't really control that. No, no. Now, um, are there any other novels in the wings? No. Um, Seven Steps kind of took off and... Uh, took over my life, really. Uh, we've got nearly 20 people working with mm-hmm. me at the moment. And so, yeah, writing books is a bit of a luxury that I haven't got back to yet. Uh, looking back, it's always important to reflect. And, of course, we dream, and reflection often takes us back to the beginnings of our dreams. I'm sure uh, your passion would have hoped for the success that you've had with Seven Steps simply because of the value of it. But could you have imagined where you are now in terms of your your influence in, in literacy in schools in so many places? No, didn't, didn't even think of it. Didn't didn't set out to create a big business. I, I just set out to write something that would help teachers and kids. Uh, sometimes I, I look back and I go, wow, we, we've trained so many teachers. We've actually impacted, we think about 1.4 million students. And a friend of mine said, you've created a legacy. And I, I just went, oh, my goodness, uh, that, that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, hard to look back and, and realise what has happened indeed. Mm. Oh, it's been quite, quite stunning. Um, we're getting to the end. You, um, the well-rounded human being, in my opinion, uh, always has a few other um, strings to their bow. You have several. Um, beach volleyball, which you've played internationally, hike the Grand Canyon, you fly on a circus trapeze for fun <laughs> i'd be doing it for fear <laughs> in fear i should say um beach volleyball versus circus trapeze versus grand canyon any of those different types of experiences um do you favor more than the other oh i love beach volleyball i've been playing it for 25 years and there's just really good people that you play with and and it's a great workout. Oh, my God, running on sand with the two of you on court. It's, it's a very good workout. Um, and it's, it's nice, too, the hiking. I, I do a lot of hiking. And somehow when you're in, in a place and under the trees and you just look at it and you just are so grateful to be there and for, you know, the beauty of the world. So they're two very different sports, but uh, both uh, keep me going, I think, and keep me sane. Mm, and keep you contributing with uh, seven steps to writing. A final word to um, teachers or kids or anybody about writing uh, in general, because um, so many people uh, lack confidence in writing and uh, so many people have so much to share. Oh, you're asking for the rap now. Well, <laughs> here we go. This is, to me, I think we make writing too hard. It's, it's much simpler than we believe. And it's not about correct 
spelling in the beginning. Spelling gets fixed at the end of the creation process. So if we look at writing as being something that is about communicating first and making it perfect second, then it's just going to be so much easier for kids to do. Couldn't have put it better, Jen. Jen, can I firstly congratulate you again and thank you for your contribution to... um to uh, the, the 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 teaching of uh, writing and and the or the pleasure of reading for the people who are on the other side of it, your contribution through Seven Steps to Writing Success is profound. Secondly, finding the time to come on the viewpoints and and, and share some of yourself and your work with us, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure for us all. No, thank you, Henry, and thank thank you. It's just been so much fun catching up with you. So fabulous to be here. Ditto. That was Jen McVetty, the CEO for Seven Steps to Writing Success. If you're interested in that program, um, just check out their website. We'll take a short break. Listeners, don't go away. (laughs) 